Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Rule the World, the art and power of storytelling. Storytelling is what connects us as humans, and for brands, it is no different. A well-told story can effectively position your brand in the minds and hearts of your audience and can convert thoughts and feelings into results and revenue. On this show, we dive into the unique and recurring principles of world-class storytellers from every walk of life to help you level up your storytelling skills and knowledge to drive real, measurable results for you and your organization. Here's your host, Paul Furlong. Hello and welcome to Rule the World, the art and power of storytelling. I'm your host, Paul Fern, Creative Director at Opus Media. Today's guest is Brian Adams, who is the CEO and founder of PH Creative, a digital attraction and employer branding agency. Brian is also the best-selling author of Getting Goosebumps and the proud host of the Getting Goosebumps podcast, where he's interviewed over 50 of the world's best storytelling experts. And today we talk to him about the advice that he's been given through all of this research about the best way to tell stories. And he's really generous with his knowledge and the information that's been given to him by some of the world's best. Brian is also a regular columnist for Inc.com and Real Business. And PH Creative's clients include Virgin Media, the Royal Bank of Scotland, and Vodafone. If you'd like to link to Brian's podcast, then go to the podcast store and search Getting Goosebumps. And if you'd like to see their website, then it's ph-attraction.com. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Brian Adams. Well, hi, Brian. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. I've uh, been lo- looking forward to, to talking to you. Pleasure, Paul. Been looking forward to it myself. Uh, I wonder if you could start by telling us uh, what each day looks like for you, uh, what you, what you spend your days doing. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, at the minute, uh, each day um, is completely different to the next. But um, obviously, I spend a lot of time running the um, digital agency PH Creative, um, and a passion of mine is, um, is is storytelling. At the heart of the agency is creativity. So whether we're doing something really technical like SEO or we're building websites or we're doing marketing activity. Um, 
usually I spend my time making sure that the team are um, are, are acting in a way that's people first. Uh, we've got a, a culture of um, you know evidence-based marketing, but usually that means we've got to understand the audience, uh, the personas of an audience, and that kind of stuff, and then then we can start to put plans together. So I I spend a lot of time. Um, strategically thinking about our clients' audiences and how to craft stories that will resonate with their audience. Um, but it's interesting, though, running an agency, um, you can be in the strategic clouds one minute and you can be um, sweeping the floor the next. And, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. It's, um, it makes for a very interesting, <laughs> uh, interesting life. Excellent. And you, you've also written uh, a book, is that right? Yeah, yeah, Getting Goosebumps um, came out um, about 12 months ago now. Uh, I think it's still number two in the Amazon charts for um, inbound marketing. Uh, and yeah, we were surprised uh, by just how well it was received in the marketplace. And um, it, was, it, yeah, it was an interesting journey producing that. It gave us a lot of um, opportunity to speak to some fantastic storytellers and, and marketers. And um, yeah, it was a very interesting project. And as part of the book, you've also got your, your very own podcast show. Yeah, yeah. So Getting Goosebumps, The Power of Storytelling. Um, we're just coming up to our 50th episode now. Um, and what we've tried to do there is speak to, um, speak to a number of different professionals, all with an element of storytelling expertise. But, you know, that's, that's ranged from neuroscientists to um, comedians, screenwriters, marketers, and, and sort of CEOs from, from uh, all over the world. So lots of research. Yeah, you know, it's, I, was, I was talking about this the other day, actually. Um, one of the byproducts of doing a weekly podcast show, um, I'm sure you'll know this yourself, Paul, is... Um, uh, if you're interviewing somebody, and a lot of the time uh, they're authors, if you're interviewing, you, you've got to do your research, which means I'm reading a book a week at the moment, <laughs> which, you know, it can be it can be a bit of a challenge, you know, when you're juggling, juggling everything else. But looking back on the last 12 months, uh, I've got to say I've learned a hell of a lot, and uh, it's a sort of, it's a discipline that I've had to maintain that, I'm, you know, that, that's been welcome, to be honest. So as someone who's done a lot of research into story, and into storytellers through the podcast and through the book and through through the other work that you've done. I wonder if we could maybe uh, have a look at some of the the highlights of the people that you've spoken to, uh, and draw out from what you've what you've heard and what you've learnt uh, bits of advice that you may be able to pass on to our listeners about using story to influence people and to uh, to affect their decision making. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you know? I guess the number one thing that we always, the, the number one word that always comes up, no matter who I talk to for some reason, is the word empathy. Um, so, uh, you know, what I've learned is basically storytelling is fundamentally um, how humans communicate and make sense of the world. Um, that's the first thing. So I think it was Robert McKee. He said that um, you know your body is the hardware, but but story is the software that makes sense of the of the world kind of thing, which which sort of resonated with me. And you know, essentially, what we're trying to do is make sense of the world and communicate with other people. So empathy is a, is a sort of key aspect, and creating empathy uh, in different worlds. It's been interesting listening to to experts with with their view. So Seth Godin. I asked him uh, how to create empathy, 
Um, and and who who is the best storyteller in, in the world? And he completely floored me and said, um, actually, I think mothers are the, the best storytellers in the world and, and they demonstrate empathy the best in the world, obviously with their connection to, to the, the children. And his underlying message was, you know, it's not enough just to understand your audience. You've got to genuinely care if you want to create empathy. So I thought that was quite remarkable and, and sort of gave, gave me a lot to think about. Um, but Michael Haig, um, he's uh, a Hollywood screenwriting coach. His take on empathy um, was, was quite different. And he talks about understanding the inward and outward motivation of a hero in a story. Uh, and one of the examples he used, which, um, I mean, I'm a Star Wars fan anyway, so this sort of stuck with me. But what he said was, when Luke Skywalker um, is uh, flying towards the Death Star and he's trying to, you know, Joe, the scene where he needs, he's got one shot at this and he's flying down this sort of cavity. And basically, at the very moment that he takes this shot, and it hits home and it blows up the Death Star. His outward motivation is to defeat the Empire uh, and to destroy the Death Star. His inward motivation of the very same action is to prove to himself that he's got what it takes to be a Jedi. And, you know, in marketing, um, we... We do this and we talk about um, understanding an audience from a rational point of view, but also emotionally. Um, so I thought that was a really nice take. So, you know, if there's marketers listening or there's screenwriters or, or whatever, um, do you understand both the, the outward and inward motivation of, of, uh, of your audience? That's, that, was, that, that, really, that really resonated with me that as well. Uh, I guess, I guess uh, Robert McKee, I've interviewed him twice, and Christ, I could, I could talk to that guy for hours and hours and hours on end, and what he doesn't know about story isn't worth writing down, I guess. Um, so yeah, there's, there's been many conversations, Paul. You just, you just mentioned uh, the hero's, I guess the hero's journey with, with Luke Skywalker and, and the empathy at the end, and I know that um, a lot of storytelling and a lot of screenwriting is based on the hero's journey. Um, and George Lucas is the absolute master at it, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, etc. Um, and you've mentioned Robert McKee. Um, now, most people use the hero's journey to, um, to tell their story, almost like a template. Robert McKee had a really interesting take on that when you were talking to him. Would you be able to, would you be able to put that into your own words? Yeah, yeah. Do you know, um, Robert McKee is basically a story virtuoso. Okay, um, and what he does acknowledge is um, Joseph Campbell's A Hero's Journey is definitely one way to tell a story that will create empathy, will create friction and adversity with the hero. And there's definitely an arc with a start, middle, and end that works. But what he says, he likens it to um, painting by numbers or one particular type of music or one particular type of painting. It's not the only way to do it. So if the hero's journey was um, impressionism, that's not art. It's impressionism that happens to be a type of art. Um, so Robert McKee is basically is, is saying, look, you know, this is one, one way to do it. Um, but there are many different ways to tell a story. And some of his examples um, really hit home. So one of the greatest stories ever told, uh, in his opinion, is um, Nike's brand 
uh, and the story is three words, just do it. And what I thought was really interesting, and actually I went to his, uh, his workshop as well and sort of witnessed him in action, which is amazing. I'd recommend that to anybody. Um, and he said, look, you know, just do it is a complete story. It has a start, middle and end. The fact that it's not told in those three words is irrelevant because everybody who hears those three words tells themselves a complete story with all of the attributes that are required to make up a full story. They, they, they tell themselves. So, so just do it is a remarkable example of, of brevity and an excellent example of story as well. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's, I, I guess that's why I could talk to him or listen to him for hours and hours and hours because, you know, he really does, he does get it. And interestingly, um, the first couple of hours of his workshop, um, he talked about death and he talked about the meaning of life. And I thought, oh God, this is a bit weird. I don't know whether I can handle this. But he really does focus in on the terror of life and he takes you through um, uh, a period with his, his workshop of basically understanding how humans work. And then he goes on to explore how uh, humans can communicate with each other using the power of story. So Wow, his depth of knowledge is, is quite remarkable. So he talks about uh, structuring stories um, using the hero's journey as one element of, of structuring. From the other people that you've spoken to, have you, have you had any other great advice about how to structure a story? Obviously, beginning, middle, and end. Um, but other, way, other ways of doing it, other ways of painting by numbers in a, let's say, a different style of music, if you will? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting one because... Most most um, storytellers, um, like uh, John York is a good example. Now, essentially, it's a version of the hero's journey um, <clears throat> in his book, Into the Woods. Very interesting take on it, but actually, it's 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 quite similar. Um, the same for um, Park Hal's um, structure. I think there's five. So there are five or seven parts to, to his, but again, it's another version of a hero's journey. So, so actually, really, um, apart from Robert McKee, most other storytellers acknowledge this three-part structure, but then tend to break each one up into uh, elements that make sense to, to, to those guys, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Robert McKee is the exception to the rule. Okay. Um, so when you... When you're planning your stories bit for your book or when you're on stage um, or, I mean, inbound marketing, that's got to be quite different than on stage. What do you, what do you think about, what do you use and what advice have you had when planning putting your story together? Yeah, okay, well, it's, um, it's an interesting one, this. And um, I, f I forget who it was that said this now. I think it might have been Robert McKee, actually. But he, he said, you know, if, if you tell somebody a joke, it's not the joke you're passing on. You're passing on the feeling you're left with afterwards. So, you know, if you read something funny online um, and it makes you laugh out loud, the reason you forward that on isn't because you want somebody else to witness a cat falling out of a tree or, um, or, or whatever. It's because you, you are passing on the feeling that you get, the sensation of hilarity and laughter. And you want somebody else to share in that. And you also want to take um, a little bit of credit for making them feel the way they're going to feel. So actually when I plan uh, something on stage or whether I plan a presentation or any type of communication, I always focus on how I want somebody to be feeling afterwards because um, people don't remember what you're saying did. They remember how you made them feel. So I always focus there 
first and I reverse engineer and work backwards. I think it's always really important to um, start with clarity. And um, it was Andy Bounds that taught me this actually, um, especially in a sales presentation because, you know, a sales presentation essentially is, is a story. But a lot of people leave all the value till the end and they talk about some of the dull stuff or boring stuff or set the scene um, for far too long and build up to a climax where actually you need to get the audience's attention um, much earlier on. So the element of um, surprise has got to be planned in um, to pique the audience's um, attention. Then usually the needs to be, it needs to be followed by a remarkable element of insight. Um, and I don't use the word remarkable lightly there. It has to be something of significance and interest. And at that moment, that's where the audience is susceptible to accepting a message or a call to action or, or a next step. Um, and then I close the loop with, with, a, with a solution. Usually if there's a story within that structure to give a little bit of social proof and light relief, then, then I'd, I'd, I like to sort of use anecdotes. Um, and also something recently I'm, I'm trying to do experiment more with, and having sort of a varied um, degree of success, is, is, is try to use elements of humor in, in the appropriate way as well, um, because I think, I think that helps to break the ice. The, um, you, you'll, have, you'll have read um, uh, Save the Cat by mm -hmm. Snyder. One thing that uh, always sticks with me is, um, is, is creating that empathy by having a Save the Cat moment right at the start of any story as well. So demonstrating that um, you're a nice guy, giving an audience, whatever the audience is, a reason to um, not necessarily um, sympathize, but empathize uh, with the scenario, the situation, or the main character. So, so I look for that opportunity early on as well. And you've talked about grabbing their attention. Mm -hmm. How do you hold their attention? Well, this is it, and I think that there needs to be an element of um, the unexpected. So if you can grab somebody's attention, the audience naturally then starts to think, okay, so why is that? If they put things together quickly in their mind, and then you start to unfold exactly what they've already preempted, then you'll lose the audience. So the element of um, surprise there, um, and basically what we're talking about is, is brain stimulation, is, is really important. So... Um, so the last couple of days, um, shooting our little movie together, Paul, you, Nick, Nick Moss was talking about beats. So keeping those beats in the scene, um, the sort of tempo, um, you know, keeping it, keeping it fresh is really important. And I think that's, that's, that can be said for whether you're delivering a talk on stage, whether you're writing a story, a blog, or, or a sales presentation. And uh, you mentioned there uh, a little bit of humour as well. You spoke to James Acaster recently. Um, what did... What did he have to say about using uh, story uh, and humor and how to combine them uh, to good effect? Yeah, it's a really interesting one, actually. Um, he was a really laid back, great guest, and it comes across really genuine, like, you know, and he really is thinking about the answers to the questions for the first time on the interview. It's, it was a really good interview, but um, what I got from it was actually um, there's a number of techniques that comedians use, and I do believe comedians are some of the best storytellers in the world. Um, the element of surprise, again, and misdirection. Um, so uh, he had it, uh, the, he had a name for, for the structure. It was the, um, the 
pull back and fire, I think he called it, where essentially you lead an audience down one deliberate path um, only to surprise them with, with, the, uh, with the ending being somewhere completely different. Unless, of course, uh, it's, it's, um, there's, there's more humor to be had by actually delivering on the obvious uh, with a surprise later to come. Um, so, yeah, that's the, the sort of misdirection um, and also recognizing um, the intelligence of an audience and reacting to an audience, which is no mean feat. You know, I mean, if you if you pre-write something, having the confidence to change and pivot with an audience because of their reaction, wow, that wow, that that takes that takes 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 a lot of guts. That you know, um, and that's what comedians do all the time. Um, so the big thing there is. Um, connecting with the audience and having the confidence to um to respond and um i'm sure in all the people that you've spoken to and it, with yourself with storytelling th- through all the different platforms that you use some mistakes may have been made um what what mistakes have you made that you've learned from uh, and how have you kind of corrected them or people that you've spoken to <laughs> there was uh, an interview um uh, recently where um I, I was asking a lot of questions of, um, okay, so can, can you give me some advice on um, how to interview somebody? And it was Cal Fussman, who is probably one of the greatest storytellers I've had the pleasure of having a conversation with. Okay, so this guy writes for Esquire, and he's he's met all of my life heroes. Um, he's met Muhammad Ali, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, uh, you, you name it, he's interviewed these guys. And um, I started the interview by saying, Carl, it's, it's so nice f- to talk to you. Thank you so much for giving up your time, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and I proceeded with the interview. At the end, I said, so, Carl, can you give me some insight into um, how I should um, proceed with an interview? And he said, well, you should never, ever, ever thank anyone profusely for uh, their time. Your time is just as important and blah, blah, blah. And he went through a series of, of mistakes that um, – that I'd made literally 20 minutes earlier. Um, and, and he just absolutely lambasted me on, on our own interview, but it, it done in a very nice way. And he was right, of course. Um, so, so yeah, that's probably, that's probably the thing that comes top of mind. Um, but you know, I started this journey as somebody who is interested in storytelling with, you know, uh, a reasonable amount of experience. Part of the reason doing it was to learn. So, you know, I've, I've made many, many mistakes along the way, but that's called experience, right? You know, and I think having interviewed nearly 50 storytellers, um, it is definitely helping me improve with my own craft. So within these 50 storytellers that you've interviewed or, or maybe outside of this for, for the book or, or elsewhere, can you remember being told a story that's had a massive effect on you? Um, I don't think there's one, one specific story that's been told on the show because, um, usually it's about dissecting what makes a good story. Um, but, uh, there was, well, I guess, I guess that's not true actually. Um, if we, if we look at the, if there's two guys been on the show who run charities, um, and both of those guys have phenomenal stories uh, to tell, and it's about how they um, how they got to where they are. And um, so, so Scott Harrison, who runs Charity Water, 
He tells a story, his personal story, about how he used to run um, big nightclubs in, in Manhattan. He had a, um, an alcohol and drug addiction. He, um, he was living the high life, but actually it was quite empty. He, he decided to do something and sort of rescue his own life. Um, but some of the charity retreats that he wanted to go on, they looked at him and decided he was such a rogue that they didn't even want him to go on this, um, this, this retreat. So he ended up having to pay a charity to let him go along on this uh, excursion to um, Africa um, just, just to contribute and volunteer, which is weird, but that's, that's what happened. And he was so moved by what he found, he started Charity Water, which was basically uh, a charity dedicated to giving villages fresh drinking water. Um, and his, his story is, is quite remarkable. Now, before the, um, before the podcast interview, I'd seen him, myself and um, Dave, my partner, um, I've seen him talk on stage at a HubSpot inbound conference in Boston. And both of us, after 40 minutes, were just in floods of tears um, because he really built empathy and a connection and tells a story so illustrative that you felt like you were there you know, emotionally. And he was a, he's a very, very profound storyteller, Scott Harrison. And it's, it's not, it's not easy to do, you know, I mean, there's people with life experience, um, probably far more dramatic than Scott Harrison, but he has a way of, of telling that story, which that'll, that'll stick with me forever. So you mentioned that he, he told the story in a very illustrative visual way. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important to be visual? Well, you know, we, we all, um, we all compute information in different ways. You know, some of us are visual thinkers, some of us are, are auditory and others kinesthetic, which means we, we react to movement. Um, you know, Scott commands um, presence on a, on a stage. He uses visual um, illustrations very effectively. You can imagine the gra graphic sort of photography of, um, of kids without drinking water and all of that, all that good stuff. And, and obviously he has a way of, of audibly telling a story. And I think that combination is just incredibly powerful. So I wonder if I could ask you a few quick fire questions before we close, if that's all right. So you've, you've mentioned a lot of the people that you've spoken to uh, on the podcast. Um, and it might, the answer to this question might be one of them or it might be somebody else. So when I say the word story to you, who do you think of? Robert McKee, without a shadow of a doubt. And is that for the, the same reasons that we've already talked about? It's it's because in, he for me is a, a godfather of story, you know, and and it's it's not storytelling, it's not um, it's not the story. He 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 describes it as story, like it's a thing, and he knows it inside out. For me, he is the grandmaster. And if rather than a kind of twenty five thirty minutes on a podcast, you only had one sentence to give your one best piece of advice about story yeah how would you phrase that what would that bit of advice be it would be some advice i got from randy olson um and it goes like this and but therefore and and basically if you use the abt in your storytelling um if there's this uh who's, who's the guy who um who writes south park what's his name 
Trey Parker Trey, much, don't Trey you? Parker, yeah. So he, he basically, when he, he writes a, an episode of South Park and then he goes through it and tries to change all of the ands to a but or a therefore. And ABT is basically a three-part structure in its most simple, basic terms. So I did something and something else, but this happened, therefore I had to do this. And that basically is... Um, a brilliant way of, of turning something from a narrative into an actual story. So, and, but, therefore, the greatest story ever told. Uh, it's very interesting that you mentioned the difference between narrative and story. That ABT, how, how exactly, or maybe how would you define the difference between narrative and story? Well, um, narrative can be, uh, is literally a series of events uh, it's a it's a evolution of of occurrences. So something and something and something and something and something. Okay. So to turn it into a story, there needs to be friction, uh, there needs to be adversity. Something needs to change a state, and then it needs to be restored in some way. Uh, and without adversity and friction, and without moving something from negative to positive or positive to negative, it's not a story. And a lot of people out there teaching story don't understand the difference between narrative and story, and it, it, it amazes me, absolutely amazes me. Uh, and finally, uh, can you recommend any good books, websites, blogs, podcasts about story, any particularly good ones that you've read and come across? Yeah, well, Park Howell's um, podcast, uh, The Business of Story, is, is brilliant. It's absolutely outstanding, so check that one out. Um, check mine out as well, uh, Getting Goosebumps, The Power of Storytelling. Of course, but, I've, I'm a, a big fan, so I do, do recommend that to every, everyone listening. Um, listen to most of those 50 episodes, just got a few to catch up on now. Awesome. Um, and I guess in terms of books, Into the Woods, uh, John York, um, that's, that's a really cool book. Um, Save the Cat by Blake Snyder is, is a, uh, an absolute classic as well. And I guess if you're new to this, then uh, Joseph Campbell's A Hero's Journey is, is a good place to start as well. And where can we find out more about you, Brian? Uh, are you online? Where can we find you uh, elsewhere? <laughs> I, I am certainly online. Um, so uh, check out the podcast. If you go to ph-creative.com, you can find more about us there. In our talent and recruitment um, digital world, we're on ph-attraction.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, which is where I'm most active, um, my handle is Brian, B-R-Y-A-N underscore P-H-C. That's great, Brian. Well, uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, lots of people going to find out more from you. Thank you for uh, being so generous with your uh, with your knowledge and with the things that you've learned with us today. Uh, and thanks for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for joining us for this episode of All the World. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit weareopusmedia.com for more resources based on today's topic as well as access to more episodes that will help you develop your storytelling abilities. That's weareopusmedia.com. Thank you, and see you next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.